Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who could do that too, if they had those tools. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. (laughs) <laughs> All right, it's Wood Talk number 387 uh, for June 5th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about Mark's sexy, curvy legs, milling square stock, and making sliding <laughs> dovetails by hand. And of course, we'd like to thank the folks who make this show possible. That's you, all the people over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash woodtalk is where you can go to sign up for some cool stuff, get some uh, little things in return, and and our uh, unending appreciation. And we'll also mention your name on the show like we're about to do for these folks. John Schmidt, Matt O'Connell, Patrick Edget, Andrew, uh, Camille Good, and Bryant Hafemeyer. So thank you so much, folks. We appreciate the support. Uh, you know, really just encourages us to to come here every Monday to be in a, a great mood while we're here and to really put our best into it, right? Put our backs into it. You know, people are listening. They care. Okay, so that's it. Patreon.com slash Talk. We appreciate your support. Let's move on to what's on the bench. I forgot to fill my section out, but good thing I know what's in my head. <laughs> Surprise for us. Yeah. That makes one of us. <laughs> I don't have to read it. Uh, you know what? I'm actually haven't spent a whole lot of time in the shop. It's been a lot of video editing and uh, not a whole lot going on. I uh, put out my finished test video. That was uh, that was okay. And it only took about four hours. Okay. <laughs> that was okay. It only took about four hours for someone to like question my scientific methodology of that test, which I really <laughs> tried. Pseudo, pseudoscience that you chose. Yeah, yeah. which I really That's tried really to make it clear that this was not meant to be that kind of test, but whatever. Uh, so that, but overall it was really well received. I think a lot of people just appreciated seeing that sort of side by side. And I gotta, I gotta tell you for me, a lot of these finishes, I use the TV analogy. When you go buy a television set, they all like, when you're looking at them in a row, you can go, Oh my gosh, this one is so much crisper. Look at that one compared to this one. 
But you take any one of those TVs and put it in your living room by itself, it's going to look great. You know, you're not going to be unhappy with the picture quality. It's kind of the same thing with these finishes. I've never finished projects side by side with these various finishes. I've used them all, but not at the same time. So there were certain things and assumptions I was making about things, specifically the one that comes to mind was the Minwax uh, Wipe on Poly, that surprised me that it had a, a fair degree of haziness to the gloss top coat, which makes it look more plasticky, which is always that criticism that's leveled against Poly. And I was like, well, dang, sure enough, there it is. But I would not have noticed it if it wasn't sitting next to Waterlock's uh, gloss and uh, armor seal. And that's what really made me see the difference there. So I told you it was crap. <clears throat> I know. Matt's <laughs> been trying to tell me, stop using that garbage. Well, and hey, you know what the funny thing is? Uh, you pay more for it. That's, yeah. Actually, I was surprised when you did the cost analysis, like how cheap Armor Seal was or how expensive that Minwax stuff and then how expensive Waterlox is. So, well, Waterlox is like ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, <laughs> it's redonkulous. But the, I think Minwax, it, it, I think it goes back to Fine Woodworking's review. Years ago in the magazine, they did a review of a, a sort of a shootout like this, much more <laughs> paying attention to scientific results and whatnot. <laughs> but the one that got the best review was the Minwax Wipe on Poly. And I feel like as soon as that happened, Minwax was cued into the fact that fine woodworkers are now going after their products, so they better jack up the price. Because I remember that actually being the cheaper option over Armor Seal. And now Armor Seal is like the budget brand, which is crazy. Right. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah, right? I what mean, a state it, budget. Don't exactly. get any ideas there on finishes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Don't uh, don't think you could raise that price. Stop looking at water locks. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun putting it out there, getting all the different opinions and uh, seeing what people thought. But, you know, I didn't really officially pick a winner. But if you're going to pick an overall winner, looking at my chart, and green means it did the best, red means it did the worst. The one with the least reds and the most greens in the various categories was Armor Seal. So, Boom. yeah, so while I can't officially pick a winner and, and don't want to, uh, that one actually did come out the best. Kind of makes me feel good about using it for all these years. Right? It validates it, at least. <laughs> I feel justified now. Well, I, kinda, I, just, bit. I just got to the end and felt like, man, that was a waste of time. I was already doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned nothing I here. learned bupkis. <laughs> well, all this time, David Marks was right. You know, maybe uh, he, he may have called it the wrong thing, but <laughs> no, his was just tongue oil. Tongue oil. Yeah, his tongue, tongue oil. Tongue oil in that green can. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it, it was it was a good experience overall. Uh, trying to think, woodworking wise, I'm really procrastinating right now because the next thing is the six chair build that I got to batch out, and uh, so Nicole sends me to Target yesterday to pick up a um, booster seat for Ava so she could sit at the table now. And I'm going there and I'm like, you know what? A booster seat is really not that complicated of a thing. So as I'm driving, I'm starting to think, can I fit this in? You know, maybe I'll do like a Maloof inspired baby booster seat. Like how sweet would that be? <laughs> and I'm talking myself into how oh. I could squeeze this into my schedule before the chairs. I'm just I'm doing everything I can before starting these chairs. So uh, I decided to be practical. I spent the 30 bucks on the piece of plastic that we call a booster seat and I'll worry about, you know, maybe making something a little bit cooler later I, on. I could just cut your little log section. Yeah, man. Chain, chair, chainsaw, uh, chainsaw out a little butt scoop in there for me. <laughs> Plop yeah. her in there. She won't care. I'll, I'll let Seriously, you do that. You got the Arbor Tech thing over there. You can scoop out your own oh, okay, seat. Just, so log. send me the log. Okay. I'll go <laughs> yeah. freeform on I mean, that sucker. Could, you know how Matt is about sending out free wood. He's got yeah, lots yeah, of you know, it. So. It's kind of his thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for me, guys. Uh, Matt, what you got going on? 
Oh, I, I celebrated Slabber Day Yay! quite, uh, you know, quite ridiculously this week. It was, uh, it was a good Slabber Day. Nice. Slabber Days are always good. I saw Vanderlis reposted one of your videos. <laughs> He's a, apparently a longtime that's, fan of Slabber that's Day. That's how I know I've made it. That's when, true. When Vanderlis pays attention. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Matt, Matt is the Siskel and Ebert of the woodworking yeah, world. That's right. Matt posted a live video on Facebook the other day of him jogging and I started yes. to, I started to like pepper him with woodworking questions <laughs> while he was doing it. I was like, what, what's your favorite wood? What's your favorite plane? What brand do you like? I don't, I don't think he saw it until he stopped running <laughs> just for old time's sake. All right. So anyway, slabber day for those who don't know, tell, tell everyone what slabber day means. Oh, it's just some stupid thing that the internet created for Saturdays. Hmm. Like, showing off your slabs on Saturday. Nice. You know, that's that kind of thing. But it was, uh, I cut up the last of my big logs. So I've come through the whole journey of this whole, you know, collecting some big giant logs, which is kind of funny because like we talked about it last year, a year ago already. We talked about it like, Oh, I went out, Matt's out getting the log again this week. Mm -hmm. And now we're coming full circle. They're all cut up in that time. I built a bandsaw mill to cut them all up. Jeez. They're all cut. They're all stacked. I'm done. And you've I've built furniture. The end of that journey. You, you've been busy. Somewhere in there, yeah. There was some furniture building in there. Yeah. Nice. It's been, uh, it's been crazy. It's been a good ride. So, I'm glad. So are there. you happier about the lack of logs, or is the wife happier about the lack of logs laying around the yard? I See, I don't know, because like it's been that way for so long <laughs> that I think like we both just kind of got used to it. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited about it because I have all this like driveway space back. Like the other day, mm-hmm. I parked my truck back there for the first time in a year. Nice, nice. And like I used to park back there because there's like this like it's shady back there. Mm-hmm. It was like nicer parking the truck in the summer. Haven't didn't do that for a long time because there were logs parked there. See, you're going about it right though. I when it comes to these things, I'm going to give you some marital advice here. But oh, here we go. You're already doing it, so you're in good Ready. shape. You have to set the bar low. You have to, <laughs> you have to keep the oh, expectations yeah. <laughs> low. So if there's something you want to be able to do, like keep logs everywhere, make her, like this is the new normal. Here are the logs. This is a thing we live with. So that once in a while, when you clean that stuff up, she's like, oh my God, you're, this is awesome. This, you're the best. But you know, she's used to the log thing. So you can always go back to having dirty logs, Sanford and Son log yard. That's junkyard. Yeah. See, back. see, but Mark, we've both met Lindsay. Yes. She's a great girl. Mm-hmm. And we both know Matt. So you know that she's He's already great. set the bar really low. Yeah. So she's already, I mean, she's she already come down guy, a few notches. So she obviously gave up on expectations a long time ago. So I, I think you're in the clear, Matt. You can only go up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say the three of us have good personalities. Uh, is what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, isn't true. that one of our isn't that one of our wood talk things? <laughs> the good intros. Now we that I think about it, personalities. That's right. That's how you upgrade. So, so when are you going to get more logs, Matt? Like you you have to have logs. You spent all this time building a bandsaw mill, and now you have nothing to run through it. That's just oh, wasteful. I'm, I'm good for now. I've got I got. <laughs> quite the backlog of like content for my YouTube channel as well. So like, I, I don't think I'll actually have that video out for like at least a month unless I decide to release like a video a day Mm -hmm. for like two weeks, which is not going to happen. That's the new YouTube (laughs) standard by the way. So get on it. Uh, Okay. Yeah. You first. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, each video will just be a word today. (laughs) 
We're make sure uh, you click the playlist. <laughs> right? Yeah, you want to see the whole. You want to. You want the whole sentence. Watch the playlist. Um, so, are you going to basically? Is this sort of an opportunistic thing now? When a good log opportunity comes along, that's when you're going to jump on it, as opposed to like aggressively acquiring whatever you can get your hands on. Oh yeah, definitely the first one. Okay. I, I don't have any interest or time to, to go crazy and be cutting stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So whenever In, impulse logging, in other words, impulse logging. <laughs> impulse yeah, logging. when 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 you're checking out at the local rockler and you happen to see a, a beautiful tree in the in the parking lot, you go in, and impulse cut it down. logging just seems like a contradiction in terms. Like, how do <laughs> yes. those things go together? Like, it just sounds like poaching. <laughs> Matt's on his way to the grocery store. Screech! Quick, <laughs> drop that tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, this week, Matt comes oh. from jail from cutting down his neighbor's trees. <laughs> it wasn't well, dead yet. It... <laughs> 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 anyway. anyway. See, the next thing I, I, the sawmill is a content machine for me. So that's super nice. And the mm-hmm. next thing I have to do with that is to finish it, like finish this manual version, which uh, is going to involve painting it and making a lot of people happy because people don't like unpainted steel for yeah, some reason. They're really bothered by that, huh? Like, they're really, really bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Like, extremely bothered by it. I just like, think it's a it's a misbranding opportunity. You could, you know, choose some branded colors, some racing stripes. White and maroon, right? Aren't yeah. those the colors you I've use? Already got, I've got the vinyl Fermonas for the blade guards. Yeah. <laughs> Big old 36-inch Fermona vinyl <laughs> right up on there, you know? That'd it's going to be awesome. two matte faces and a log in the middle getting cut. You really can't beat that. It, it, seriously, it reminds me of like you know Batman sixty six with just like the big bat on everything. You know, right, the bat boat, the bat shark repellent. It's the mat saw and the mat boat, the mat truck, the mat shark repellent. Hey, you know brandings everywhere. Got to brand my stuff. You know, got to be a branding hooer, as they would say. Got to got to brand. Got to brand. Nice. So yeah, that's what's going on here. Getting it all stacked up, and I'm um getting going here on a high boy. So that's going to be fun. I got to pull some material for that. Get that sitting, get it acclimating. Been working on the sketching up model of it, which is kind of annoying, but (laughs) you know, still yeah, it's there. Good. I will, I will say though, like I'm doing, I'm not doing the, I don't know what you want to call it. The, I don't know, ornamentation, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm like drawing like the rough parts. So like I drew like the bottom cabinet, which is, before you cut those cabriole legs, they're just three by three square stock. It is butt ugly. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's these giant thick legs. Absolute most openings. inelegant high boy in the world. <laughs> like this is terrible looking, but yeah. you know, that's what it is before you start cutting the shapes and the stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you got this giant like lower rail. It's eventually <laughs> gonna get scalped, but it's just this giant <laughs> right. tall lower rail. Yeah, like, six inch wide rail. Perfect. The the dimensions or the uh, the proportions on this are just freaking terrible <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do but you're right i mean it's all it's all blanks and stuff it's just you got to use your imagination to to see the yeah. finished piece kind of like, in there somewhere. like a maloof rocker before you sculpted it oh could you like, imagine <laughs> i would love to see like all of those parts someone just put the joinery on the ends and actually build it without doing any sculpting that'd be hilarious and totally uh, uncomfortable it would look like yeah, uh to say it'd be mostly like pointy and very uncomfortable. It would look like an electric chair from like the fifties or something <laughs> like big blocky, <laughs> stiff and uncomfortable. Okay. Shannon, what do you got going on? Uh, I had to go, um, help out a friend this weekend, fix his deck. He's, 
everybody's got that friend that's completely non-handy and like no shape or form has he ever picked up a tool, owned a tool, know how to use a tool. So, you know, it was just going out and <clears throat> making a couple angled cuts because he's got one of those decks where the 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 boards are all uh, set at some weird acute angle across the joints. And I was, I mean, we all know that wood expands as it picks up moisture, but this was just shocking. He had just bought some regular pressure treated deck boards and, you know, you pick it up and it's like, damn, that's heavy, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's cold to the touch. It's so wet. Yeah. Um, I didn't bring my meter, but I guarantee you it was over 30%, yeah. you know, like you're, you're driving a screw and there's the like water, bubbles yeah. coming up through the screw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, in the eyes. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> that's good. For um, I'm, I'm sawing at an angle and it's like, closing up on the kerf and i've got like specifically a saw for this that's like really wide kerf and doesn't bind on anything but um then we put it in place and i'm practically having to hammer it in between the two boards because it is so much wider than the other one by six that's next to it that's had time to dry out so i actually posted a picture on instagram today because it i'm curious to go back i've got to go back in a couple of weeks and help them something else so i'm just kind of curious to see just how quickly because we're, you know, we're coming into high humidity season right now. So the other board should be, you know, getting a little bit wider, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I'm hoping that it doesn't buckle and blow up on me. Hopefully the, the, the wet board drops its moisture faster <laughs> than the dry boards pick up Picking moisture. Up. Yeah. Oh, See, the crazy. dry board is just going to start squeezing the moisture out of the middle one. Yeah, there we go. It'll be like, yeah. It's sponge kind of effect. It's, so it's, it's, all, new, it's all good, it's, Shannon. It's, it's a good. new way to dry lumber. Accelerated <laughs> compression drying. Compression That's what we're going to call it. Hey, so what is it about the pressure treatment process that makes those so waterlogged? Um, well, I mean, first of all, they don't they don't do any drying whatsoever before they take them to pressure treating. Okay. Um, and then you're just kind of dunking it in the vat of whatever the chemical cocktail is today, which in some respects uh, seals up. I don't want to use the word seal, but eh. – yeah, it, it chemically reacts with the, the tracheids and things in the wood to um, make it more, not so much rot resistant, but well, yeah, it's rot resistant because rot is essentially caused by bugs, mm-hmm. water too, but the bugs do not like it. They don't like the taste of it. They'll leave it alone. Um, and there's some amount of water repellency at the same time because it's sealing up some of those fibers. Mm-hmm. So you're just stuffing the fibers full of more chemical. Yeah. The schmutz. Yeah. Which is just kind of, um, only upping that, that moisture content a little bit more, but I think more than anything, it, it kind of stops up the, um, the natural loss of the water at an early stage. Mm -hmm. And then it gets dead stacked and banded and usually wrapped in plastic and thrown on a truck and sent off to home Depot. I mean, there's just, there's been no chance for the moisture to drop. So I, like I was um, telling uh, my buddy, I was like, you have to recognize that he's like, Oh, okay. So in a couple of months I'm thinking, no, actually a couple of days of bright sunshine. And I think in a week (laughs) you're going to be good with this stuff. So I don't know. Let's hope, let's hope my understanding of wood movement is correct. And it didn't bite me in the butt here, but like I I have to go back again and help with another board because there were two side by side boards that were rotten. He had put, um, uh, potted plants down on top of them and they just had standing water underneath it. And over the course of like 10 years, part of the board had rotted away. I couldn't actually do the board, the adjacent board because the two new ones were so wide 
and the gap between the old ones was only so finite. So uh, I installed one board just to kind of see what happens. I'm going to go back in a couple of weeks and install the new one. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's shocking just how much moisture or how much width rather drops uh, mm-hmm. when the when the board dries out. It's crazy. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's get into what's new. So quick announcement for next week. Shannon will not be here, so it's just going to be me and Matt, but we are bringing in a third co-host, the gentleman you might be familiar with, so you're going to want to tune in for this. His name is Bob, and he does a show called I Like to Make Stuff. He also does a podcast called Making It. You might be familiar with that. The, the Bob. So I, uh, Bob. I I wrote Bob a very large check and asked him if he would guest host <laughs> on the show. It's coming out of Matt's share, right? That's right. Uh, no, it's coming it. out of yours. You're not going to be here. <laughs> well, that's not right. <laughs> so yeah, I actually asked Bob. He's going to be in Florida, I guess, visiting family or something at the time, but he said he'll be able to squeeze it in before they're uh, making it recording. So uh, look forward to that. And when we ask for questions, those of you who are on Patreon or you know, if you're writing in with a question, uh, feel free to submit questions for Bob specifically. Obviously, Bob uh, tinkers in a lot of different areas, including woodworking. So it'd be nice to have some you know, questions and stuff queued up for him to, uh, to answer that are a little bit more in his wheelhouse. Uh, but he yeah. will be a guest host. He will not be interviewed on this. So just, just the heads <laughs> yeah. up. We're putting him to work. <laughs> I, I hear, I hear he likes to make stuff. He so does. That should be fun. He does. I'm looking forward to that. I hear he well, tells people on, about it. On that note, um, I'm going to be at a marketing conference that day up in Boston. But Tuesday night, um, in Boston, I'm doing a little meetup. Um, got a bunch of hand tool school guys who are meeting me for drinks about uh, five five fifteen, at um, oh shoot, the Barking <laughs> Crab, the Barking Crab on the, oh, on the Boston waterfront. Um, Sometime 5.15, 5.30 or so, we're meeting for drinks. So anybody who's in the Boston area wants to come out and uh, say hello, please do. Nice. The Barking Crab sounds like uh, Matt's wrestling name in high school. <laughs> I pinch. <laughs> Watch out, I pinch. <laughs> no one wanted to wrestle him for some reason. I pinch. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, uh, there's a Photoshop opportunity. Somebody. Another guys, one? Yeah, did oh, you guys see all yeah. the ducks and geese with uh, Cremona hair? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, a nice inside joke from last week. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, yep. Shoot. Okay, so uh, let's see what else. We've got a Kyle Toth video. I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, he hit oh, 100,000 yeah. subs <laughs> and I guess had an opportunity to go out to the uh, YouTube LA um, space that they have for just YouTubers to utilize for making videos and actually did this like, it's basically like a music video uh, around him turning. It involves uh, dancing ladies, dancing men and uh, licking and uh, some nudity, which is really fantastic. <laughs> which is very much in Kyle's wheelhouse. It oh, really yes. is. He's, all, he's all about the nudity. <laughs> you know, if I were to predict, you know, five years ago, who'd be the first person to end up naked in one of their videos online, I probably <laughs> would have thought it would have been me. But I think I'm getting more conservative. In you were going age. down that road. I was heading I down there. She, yeah, took a hard U-turn on that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the birth of my son, you know, <laughs> might have changed things a little bit, you know, just trying to, to model behavior a little bit. So, yeah, anyway, fantastic video, a lot of fun. Uh, it's just hilarious to see this kind of treatment given to a topic like woodworking. Yeah, uh, woodworking is definitely different than it was Ten years ago, let's say that. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, no question about that. (laughs) Well, I get uh, questions all the time about rust removal and restoring planes. And this just like randomly came across this in one of my social media feeds. Uh, It's a YouTube video on laser rust removal. And it's just 
it's so cathartic. <laughs> it's one of those things where you watch it and go, I just want one of those to just go around kind of like when Mark was sampling the air quality of anything and everything, any space he walked into <laughs> or sampling the decibel sounds, yeah. you know, how loud, how loud is this? You know, it's, it's, how loud is the baby monitor? You know, right. you know, say something, Ava. Oh, that was, you know, it's the same type of thing. This rust removal, laser rust removal. It's just awesome. It's like instantaneous. You just kind of blow this, you know, the little laser light across and all the rest is gone. It's just awesome. I want one. Looks fun. There's another thing that was sent to me by Dr. James Randolph. And he says it's a uh, in-depth video explaining. Wait, what is this? No, that's the wrong one. I didn't put that last one. So um, Matt, you grab that one. But anyway, he says you have to check it out. Really cool solution for drill press storage space. So, most of the time, I mean, depending on what you're building, but most of the time, if you have a floor standing drill press, you have the table up high and you don't really use the space below. So this was a really cool solution for building a cabinet that actually sits in that space. And if you think about the accessories you need at the drill press, you don't need tons of storage. Uh, so it's like a four, three or four drawer cabinet, very narrow, you know, just to fit kind of in that base area, straps to the post of the drill press and it's removable in case you do need to move that table down. So it's, um, what's his name? Steve from down to earth woodworker, I believe mm-hmm. uh, really good. I mean, it doesn't show you how to build it, but it's not like it's going to be that difficult, but the concept is there and it makes me go, yeah, you know what? That's, that's actually a, a space that could use a little bit of functionality. Um, so you have to check that out. Maybe build one. Cool. You build well, one. I, I dropped this last one in here, Matt, so I can take it if you're quickly trying to figure out what that video is. <laughs> oh, I was just going to, just read it and say, go look at it yourself, because I have no idea what Oh, you know what? Go with it. Let's <laughs> let's hear Matt ad lib. <laughs> yeah, it just has to read. I'm just going to read the blurb. This is from Andrews. This is a very cool in-depth video explains how to build jigs for cutting detail, details, corner, molding, profiles. Probably maybe detailed corner molding profiles? I don't know. Check it out, though. That. Sounds interesting. There'll be a link in the show notes. <laughs> you, you need to go check this out. It's on the De Bergerac Design channel. Just for the fact that here's somebody who finally has a more impressive clamp wall than Mark. Ah, nice. I was oh, hoping to meet. I didn't that know that was something there. we're trying to do. I gotta uh, go buy some more clamps. Evidently, it is. It it's, is it's now. Like the there's, most there's commented thing. Clamper day. That's how many, that's how many clamps you got, Mark? Let's. Uh, let's. I let's like when this, people ask me how many. They want to know how, like, how much total money it's worth, and I'm like, I don't know. Go to Amazon. Do the math. I don't really care. Actually, one of the other reasons why I wanted to switch things around is I didn't want my primary shot in every shot to be the stupid clamp wall because it <laughs> it just always gets comments. I mean, I guess hey Mark, that's fine. But you always have the same number of clamps on the wall. I'm like, do you ever use them? Yeah, <laughs> I don't ever see a shot with all of them off the wall at once. What a loser! <laughs> yeah, so I prefer the uh, you know this new background with oh, the tools on the wall. Uh, Wonderful. Good stuff. All right. So kickback. We got a couple of voicemail kickbacks. First one here is from William. It's not necessarily a kickback, more like a story. Hey, guys. Just wanted to share a quick story from this weekend. Uh, My girlfriend and I decided to go on a double event date, I guess you could say. We went to Woodcraft and a local winery that was in the area. And we were sitting outside uh, later in the weekend talking about Know, what we enjoyed and I asked her what her favorite part about going to Woodcraft was to which she replied checking out and that I got $10 <laughs> off my next hardwood purchase 
Meanwhile, I enjoyed the winery sitting outside, having some cheese and crackers, and enjoying her company. So the moral of the story is, go to Woodcraft alone. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Great show. <laughs> nice. Awesome stuff. That's, that's hilarious. That sounds like a pretty good date. And I, you know, we are talking about our wives earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, so Lindsay used to live up here in Minneapolis, and I lived about you know, two and a half hours away, and there wasn't a woodcraft or a rock or everything where I lived. I was getting into woodworking. I really loved that stuff. Every single time I came to visit her, or like, let's go to woodcraft. So I took her to woodcraft, and I'm like, supposed to be visiting her because I haven't seen her for like Once two again, weeks. setting the bar low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So she got pretty good at going to woodcraft. Yeah. And, you know, she, it's to this day, I'm very, I'm kind of proud and enamored, like how much she picked up just going there. <laughs> yeah. Like she knows like all different species of wood. She knows that how much they cost. She knows that wood there is expensive. Right. She, all these cool. I'm like, I, you know, what could, I can't ask for anything more. You know, <laughs> I, I'm settling down. I am for sure staying with this one. <laughs> with this one. So, so what you're saying is <laughs> if we ever get tired of you, we know who the next host of. Oh, Wood I was going to say, be. screw Bob. Let's get Lindsay on the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be a better option. She would make for a very entertaining show. I think. <laughs> nice. That sounds good. All right. So we got our second kickback here. Um, looks like Chris needs some clarification. Hey guys, Chris with a K calling from New Jersey. Uh, Shannon, this is a question for you. Uh, in the episode that was called Choke Up On It, when you were being an adult and the boys were being 11-year-old children, you <laughs> talked about the uh, low-angle jack plane. And at one point, you said you would go to a smoother and you wouldn't use the jack plane for that purpose because it would defeat you to some extent or something like that. Uh, I wonder if you could explain that because you were talking about the the length of the soul is what would defeat you. And I'm curious as to why you wouldn't use a long plane like that as a smoother and you would go to the shorter sole of a regular smoothing plane. Um, by the way, I was laughing too, so put me in the category of the 11-year-old kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank uh, of the podcast. Bye-bye. Awesome. Points for honesty, Chris. We appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm glad he clarified because I had no idea what he was talking about for a minute there. Yeah. Starting to get panicked. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Um, the, the clarification point there is um, a smoothing plane. When I when I get to the smoothing stage, all I care about is the appearance. All I do I want to do is make it pretty, make it smooth, get rid of any plane tracks, get rid of any tear out, get it ready for finish. I I care not at all for flatness at that point. So with a longer sold plane, that plane will traverse kind of over the hills and valleys of a board. So if there are little undulations in the board, a longer plane will ride over those and just kind of nip off the peaks there. And it won't get into the little hollows where you might have some tear out because really tear out is it's a, it's a hollow. It's a divot that's poured out parts of parts of the wood. With a shorter sole plane, it will actually ride up and down those hills and valleys, and it'll get into the 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 tear out in those low spots. When all I care about is getting it smooth and clean. Um, so there's a lot of times when you could take your jack plane, you can set up for a smoothing cut, and you'll end up having to do a lot more work to remove some of those low spots. And they may be low by a couple thousands of an inch. But a shorter sole plane will navigate in and out of those nooks and crannies better than a longer sole plane. 
that's what I meant by that. Well, and plus I think his thinking is, well, if you've planed it properly, the wood is flat. So the jack plane should be able to smooth just as well as a smoothing plane. But I think sure. like, like anything else, if any time passes <laughs> between the time that you've done the flattening and when you're ready to do the smoothing, the reality is it's moving. And you know, that yeah. jack plane may just not hit all of those spots because it's not flat anymore. Mm-hmm. So. It happens all the time. You know, and if you really want to get to the low spots, grab yourself a card scraper with essentially a zero point radius on its sole, mm-hmm. and you can get all those nooks and crannies, just like an English muffin. Delicious. <laughs> mm. Put some butter on that card scraper, you're good to go. Okay, so the next one here <laughs> is from Tom from Benchmade Madness. He says, you asked us to write in if we have ever done a project that was uh, out of our, above our skill level, and I immediately thought of the time a doctor asked me to make a violin for his fiance. Yeah, a violin. I had no business making such a thing, but was like, yeah, whatever, I'll give it a go. I like this guy. He's like uh, Cremona over here. I'll build a giant band, so sure, why not? Uh, he knew I'll I had, give it a go. What could happen? <laughs> yeah, what's the worst that Possibly could happen? Go wrong. Uh, he knew I would never made one before and was willing to pay me to try. How rare is that? I know that there are kits available to make violins, but I wanted to do the whole thing, so I bought billets of flame maple and Balkan spruce. Surprisingly, I got it done and actually made music like Actually, nice sounding music. Since then, I've made two more. The finish failed on one, and I sold the other. It definitely made me a better woodworker and person in general. Perhaps it was all of the hand tools. <laughs> there you go, Sean. <laughs> Could have been. Join the hand tool school. Uh, I'll include a playlist below of me making parts I don't think of it. I can help him if he's building <laughs> violins. Yeah. Uh, all right. And uh, let's see. He's actually got a video of an actual violinist testing it. And there's a whole playlist, so we will uh, include that in the show notes if you want to check this guy's stuff out. He also says, love the show, Harry Giggler and all. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No accounting for taste, I guess. Ooh. Ooh. Well, he likes hands. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Violins are cool. Uh, this one comes from somebody, from Rob. <clears throat> he says, regarding your request for listener feedback, I started woodworking last year as a hobby and am obviously a beginner. Recently, I decided I want to stretch and build the Wood Whisperer bed project. He even included the link. Look at that. Um, it requires many mortise and tenon joints. Having never built anything with mortise and tenon joiner, I knew it would be a monstrous project. I do not have a domino. I planned a way to get there. First, I built Greg Paolini's mortising jig. Next, I built two cherry night tables, one at a time. Uh, the, that way, I could practice mortise and tenon as well as make improvements on the second table after building the first. This was also the very first time I ever used drawer slides. I'm really happy with the way the night tables turned out. I purchased lumber and I'm only about a month into the bed build. I've mortised the legs and I'm starting on the rails. It's a big stretch project for 2017, but I'm looking forward to building my skills along the way. Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the great shows. Good stuff. See, it's all about, you know, if that project is so daunting, find one that's got the same elements that maybe isn't so daunting and, and hey, they're nightstands. You got to have nightstands on either side of the bed, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally. Yep. 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 All right. This next one is from Tommaso. It says, hey, guys, regarding tool aprons and handy storage, handy storage, as mentioned in the email extra, my shop is not climate controlled, so in the cold weather, I can get away with a vest with handy pockets. In the summertime... It's just too warm for such a thing. I've looked into the vest made by um, Occidental. Wow. Yep. That's what that says. Occidental. (laughs) I don't know. That's how I would pronounce it. What was going on with my brain on that one? But that looks better than what I was going to spit out of my mouth. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but it is too big. Too much for the shop designed for construction. So until I get around to making a proper lightweight vest, because I'm just awesome, (laughs) I've taken to using bolt bags. Some have belt clips or carabiners for a quick hookup. They'll hold a great deal, and if I'm doing anything outside or DIY work, I can load up the bag with what I need and be on my way. I'm willing to try an apron, but I'm waiting for the officially licensed Wood Whisperer 1 because Mark is the apple of sawdust. I thought he was going to say the apple of his eye. That would have been sweeter. But uh, Yeah, and awkward. A little bit, yeah. But I would have taken apple, apple of sawdust. That's fine. I hope they get that yeah. apron out soon. We've got one that's like in development with um, uh, Calavera Toolworks, and it's going to be awesome. But you know why we're held up? Because we're redesigning the Wood Whisperer logo. And I don't want to commit to a new design on something that expensive. And then like a month later go, oh, well, here's our new logo. That won't make much sense. So that's why I we're hope you, uh, held you decide up. to go with the logo that I designed. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that one is family friendly. <laughs> Self-portrait of Matt naked on a couch. <laughs> draw me like you draw wow. your women. Oh boy. Ah, I'm glad you remember that one so vividly. All right. <laughs> Just what's on the top of my mind, baby. Okay. Hey, we got Matt reading another one. Great. I will read the next one. Two in a row. First time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Try anything once. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from Andrew. It says, on last week's show, Matt fielded a question about apartment woodworking and muse about the idea of a knockdown bench. In fact, Chris Schwartz discussed building a knockdown bench in his workbench's book and specifically mentions it being ideal for woodworking in limited spaces. I actually just finished building this bench this weekend. It's very heavy, but knocks down to five parts can be managed by a single strong person. This also helps in cleanup as you can take down the bench and easily sweep up the floor where it used to be. The book builds it out of cheap construction lumber from the home center, which keeps the price down. And if you desire a bench top built from sturdier material in the future, you can easily replace just that one part. Further proof that we really researched our answers to questions. <laughs> there you go. Good deal. Thank nice. you so much. Boom. See, I, I disagree with the whole breaking it down to sweep up the floor. Where would I sweep all the stuff? I mean, that's where all the stuff gets swept under. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to move the bench. That's sweep it on the stove or the fridge or something. Come on. When I put down the rubber tile on my shop and I had to move my bench, I had like ten years worth of shavings and sawdust under there. It was quite nostalgic, actually. It was a walk through all the projects. Oh, literally walking through them. Loved before. (laughs) It's a good one. Uh, Right. Uh, So you know what's next? Do you know? I do. It's this. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. for us, Shannon. This is inspired from a question by Brandon. He says, my local hardware dealer sells four-quarter S3S that's about 13 sixteenths thick. I feel like this is on the side of skimpy. Uh, This is the only dealer around, so I'm not sure if that is the norm, but I think these should be closer to one inch. Are my expectations of what four-quarter S3S should be too high? Yes, I think they are. Um, (laughs) Sorry to tell you that four-quarter, well... There's a lot of debate on this because there's now a lot of retail yards. Most of the retail yards I know are selling a surfaced material. And if you think about it, 
rough lumber isn't terribly attractive. It's kind of difficult to see the grain unless you've got a lot of experience looking at rough lumber. So they want to sell their stuff. They want to move their stuff. So they're going to give you a nice pretty face. So the the average passerby can walk in and see what it is they're buying, get a good feel for what it is. So they're all uh, thicknessing this stuff or surfacing this stuff. And in that same vein, since it's all about appearance, they don't want any skip. Um, and if, you, if you're unaware, when you run a board through and you get that little part that's still fuzzy in the middle, that's called skip. So in order to make sure that when they run it through the planer, they don't get skip, they're cranking that planer down to make to take a heavier cut so that you're not having to run the board through a second time. And you think, what's the big deal if it's the second time? Well, I explained it to the guy who is now feeding his 300th board through and he's got to go to lunch and he's still got 50 more boards to go. You know, the idea is to put that board through the planer in one pass and be done. You know, well, two passes because you've got to flip it and go the other way unless you have a double-sided planer. Um, so it, it's, you know, 13 sixteenths, hey, three quarters is usually what you find. You know, go to go to a Home Depot or Lowe's or heck, even a lot of the woodcrafts I know, and it's going to be three quarters of an inch. So you've got an extra 16 inch to play with there. Um, the most I've ever seen is seven eighths. Um, even if we ever have a spec that calls for 15 sixteenths, we're going to five quarter lumber for that. Uh, just because you can't guarantee that you can get the entire, you know, whatever the batch is. Because some boards may have a little bit more of a cup in the middle. Some may just be wonky and twisty, and it's a little difficult to get that full uh, 15 sixteenths out of it. So when you're buying four-quarter lumber, you're paying for sawdust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but what, what you're buying used to be four-quarter lumber. We had to use four-quarter lumber in order to produce the S2S or S3S board that you have. So I take issue with the retail yards that sell surface lumber as four-quarter or as five-quarter or six-quarter, et cetera, because I do believe it is misleading. What you'll find some of the better retail yards are doing is they're selling 13-16th lumber or three-quarter lumber or whatever that actual dimension is. In fact, Lowe's was sued a couple years ago for selling one-by-sixes that were actually three-quarter by Mm five-and-a-half. And somebody thought, you know what? That's false advertising. So you go to any Lowe's and now Home Depot, for that matter, and you'll see one by six and in parentheses under it, actual size, three quarter by five and a half. So um, many of the lumber yards now are dropping the whole quarter terminology, the eight quarter, 12 quarter, et cetera, and selling what it is they're actually selling, um, which is another reason why so many of them are surfacing the lumber. And it's becoming more and more rare to find rough sawn lumber in your typical retail yard because it just... Too much, uh, too much variability. It does seem like if you're going, like, wouldn't it be just nice to be in a world where you can say, if I use the terminology for quarter, I'm clearly talking about rough lumber. That is how it should be. You um, think, right? I, I, I actually have a blog post on my McElvain blog that says that because for the most part, um, you know, some retail yards, they march to the beat of their own drum. But in the commercial sector, if I say four quarter, I mean roughs on. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of our customers are in the same boat. You know, when you start using the quarter terminology, we're talking about rough material. Because once we plane it, you might as well plane it to whatever the spec is, you know. Well, um, and four quarter, eight quarter speaking in quarters is such a industry term, but actual measurements mm-hmm. is a layman's sort of interpretation. It just seems yeah. like, like a natural difference in nomenclature that if someone says this, they must know what they're talking about. It's roughs on lumber. <laughs> Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it's a, it's, well, it's an obsolete term, actually. Yeah. I mean, when you ask 20 
people, grizzled wood industry veterans, where the quarter terminology came from, you'll get 20 different answers. And I still haven't gotten an an absolute like, yes, that's absolutely what it is. I, I, I go on the, the mindset that it has to do with the stops on the vertical sawmill where the carriage moves in and out horizontally. You move it forward to the first quarter slot and you get quarter inch lumber. You move it to the fourth quarter slot. So think of like detents on a miter saw as you slide it around, mm-hmm. it pops into that detent. This carriage has a detent every quarter of an inch and you move it out to the eighth quarter and you get two inch wide lumber. And that's, I've had a couple of people say, yeah, I think that's about right. But like, you can't find any historical reference. And I've got historical references back to the 1740s at where I work and no one, no one can substantiate that. So wow. maybe it's time to get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause nobody knows what it is. And people who buy truckloads of rough sawn lumber who still to this day, when you say, so you need eight quarter and they go, no, I need two inch. So, <laughs> <Right>. I mean, <laughs> don't feel bad if you're like, man, I don't understand this quarter thing because there are people buying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of lumber a month that still don't know what that is. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it may be time to uh, to let it go. Nice. Let's do that. And let's uh, get rid of Imperial while we're at it. Okay. Oh, they're going to start something now. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> even... <laughs> hey, I, I'm on that side. You know, I can throw stones. We don't do that, so it's all good. Uh, Okay, so we do have one voicemail question here from Grant. What's up, Mark, Matt, and Shannon? This is Grant from Orlando. I got two questions for you guys. One, I have a Japanese pull saw, the Ryoba saw. It's a cross cut and a rip saw. The one I got from Woodcraft, it was about 42 bucks. So after six months of using it a lot, it's kind of dull now. Is there a, a way you can sharpen Japanese saws, or am I just going to have to wait for another sale at Woodcraft and pick up another one? And secondly, if you were the Three Stooges, which one of you guys would be Mo, Larry, and Curly? Discuss. <laughs> Discuss. Oh, boy. Um, well, it, it, let's, about, you want to talk about, about flames? Shemp? When you got it, maybe, maybe one of us isn't curly. Maybe it's shimp That's or, true. you know, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't anyway. know. I'm going to have to think about that one. You can answer the uh, saw blade question while we're thinking. Well, I know some of the better Japanese saws, um, certainly you can sharpen them, but then some of the cheaper ones are the impulse hardened steel with impulse hardened teeth that I don't think sharpen real well. Like they're so unbelievably hard that a file will just skitter off them. Um, I'm looking at the couple that I have and they're the, the typical kind of woodcraft bought like 15, $16 type things. And I'm pretty sure these are impulse hardened teeth, but it doesn't say, and I thought it used to say on the blade. Um, but certainly you can sharpen them. There are videos online on how to sharpen them. I know Wilbur Pan over at Giant Cypress has done uh, a treatise on saw sharpening. He uses a different file. It's not your typical triangular file. It's a, a more um, oblique angle. Mm-hmm. You're getting my geometry. Maybe it's a more acute angle. I don't remember. <laughs> it's a different shape. The angle's the not ones. the same. <laughs> it's not an equilateral triangle. Um, so uh, you can you can buy those files. I think, though... I mean, these replacement blades are are really cheap, and I hate to like further the disposable uh, disposable society, but mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the teeth are so fine that I think you'd just be better off going and buying a new blade. To tell you the truth, yeah, hmm. good to know. 
All right, so if you want to send us a voicemail, you could do so using your voice memo app, like all the folks who called in today, and you could send us that file at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And now we can get into our email. And first one here is from uh, New England Woodworking Studio from AJ. Oh, you got it's AJ. AJ, that guy. <laughs> AJ. This guy who calls in all the time. He says, hey, guys, I'm starting this new table for a customer, but it has these very long curved legs that I've never done before. I know making a jig will help me out and getting the four legs all the same, but getting the curve perfect for the jig is where I'm a little bit jammed up. How do you guys go about setting up for a new set of table legs that are curvy and complicated? That's how I like my women. Curvy and complicated. (laughs) Okay, so... For me, this is something I do an awful lot. I I like curves. I like laying out curves. I find it to be a pretty fun process. And generally speaking, uh, there are a couple tools that I go to all the time. It's the Lee Valley drawing bows. So basically, it's a strap and a thin, I don't know what the material is, like a fiberglass, I think, um, thin material, and one is tapered so that it, as you sort of uh, pull on a strap, it actually makes an asymmetrical curve and the other one is consistent and that one when you pull on it becomes a symmetrical curve. And they're about like uh, three and a half feet long, something like that. There's a, a good length. So you could use those in conjunction or one alone, depending on what you're doing, to lay out these curves. So the way I do it is full size. Like there's, I can kind of get a basic idea if I'm just kind of sketching around what kind of shape I want. But it isn't until I put this on full size paper, like butcher paper, drawing paper, whatever you need to satisfy the size of the leg and actually draw that thing out. And that's the only way I can get it to work out. So um, unless I know specifically, AJ, which parts of the process are hanging you up, I'm going to stay very generic with this. But the curves established by one of those drawing bows, or even if you're talking about smaller pieces, uh, French curves, like a standard set of French curves is great to have. Um, all of those curves are are like designed in such a way that they're pleasing, they're consistent. And then you could use them in combination with one another to make an even larger curve uh, that maybe moves in on itself and does different things and gets kind of wacky. So it's just a matter of drawing it until it looks good. And uh, sometimes I draw it, it looks good. I look at it three days later and I see something I didn't see before and I have to change that angle uh, or maybe ask someone else to come in and take a look and say, does this look off? Is something wrong with this? Like you'll know it when you get it. Um, So it's just a matter of drawing it out and using the right tools to do it. I've even found that once you, you know, do the same thing, you draw it out and then I'll even go so far as to cut it out. Yeah. Because then sometimes like, especially if I, you know, because there's stray pencil lines and stuff on the board, kind of turn the fresh face to me and kind of set it up so you can look at the silhouette and I go, ew, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that at all. And then you got to kind of go literally back to the drawing board and and do some more sketching. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Just have your CNC cut you a curve, you know, you got CNC, right? Everyone's got CNCs. Sure I do. That's in Shannon used to have a laundry room. Now it's just the CNC machine. Well, I, I do my laundry on the CNC. That's right. I set it. I set it to take a really, really light pass, and just it just scrapes the, the dirt, dirt right off. off. Yeah, I like awesome. That. That's very modern of you. It really is. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I'll read the next one. Yup. Because it has my name by it. Yup. All right. This is from Joe. Remember that point. Put his name by it. He'll read it. Oh, good, good. I'll have, fun. By it. I'll have fun with it. You already have enough fun with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what she I don't know if you have any more fun. No comment. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Moving right along. 
All right. It's from Joey. He says, I just realized that in a few shows, it's going to be Cremona's 100th episode on Wood Talk. Woo! That is really scary. Is that Lord. possible? I guess no. that's what happens when you do two shows a week, huh? No, I, I think that's. Hold on a second. Why don't we start doing two shows a week? Sure. You, you keep reading. I'll look it up. Okay. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Wow, the time flies. Whoa. But my, will, my real question involves milling parts that are perfectly square, like a two-by-two two legs for a frame panel sideboard. After face and edge jointing, would you pass it over the table saw twice to square the other two sides or still run through the planer after jointing and then square the last edge on a table saw? So I guess we could all kind of just mention what we do here for me. My planer is right there. I set it once to whatever the thickness is, and I just run it through on both those two faces that aren't that weren't touched by the jointer, and that gives you two uh, other faces that are parallel to the other ones. And if they were square, those original ones were square to begin with, that piece of leg stock should be perfectly square. That's what I do. Hmm. I guess Shannon still kind of probably does the same thing because you use your planer. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you saw, do you saw your leg stock or? I mean, there sometimes when I use it, sometimes I choose not to. Um, oh, I, I choose not to use it. I I have to question why is it absolutely perfect? Like, does it have to be a perfect two by two square? Oh, we're doing this now. Well, <laughs> I just oh, I mean, come on. There, the there are certainly answer. times when I'm like, eh, don't worry about it. It's only those inside faces uh, that have joinery. So the yeah, other, I, eh, I shouldn't so know much. this was coming. And then, and I like that methodology. Like every time Shannon messes something up, he goes, so does this really have to be perfect? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I learned that from Matt Vanderlist. It's handmade. Yeah. I like custom made. Okay. So he's doing two by two legs. Any square stock. If you're making square stock, how do you make square stock? Square stock probably wouldn't even touch the table saw for me. It would just be jointer, planer, and flipping in the planer because you right. know Keep it's dead the on. setting the same and rotate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rotate 90 degrees and you know it's dead on perfect and your tools are set up properly. You don't have to worry about it, you know, sort of working its way out of square. It'll be fine. Um, but jointer and planer only for a square leg. I'd cool. even go so far for the, I, like the square stuff, I don't, Again, because it doesn't necessarily have to be perfectly square, but it's the lighter <laughs> stuff actually that I found to be the bigger time saver. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a like a two by six or something like that, you know you can turn that wide board up on edge and run it through the through the planer, and it's actually a really quick way to get that second uh, second parallel edge mm-hmm. on a wider board. Yep, I like doing that too instead of ripping it down because then like. Yeah. You don't have these stupid little strips of wood to do what the heck with. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I don't know what the rule of thumb is. And it's like three times the thickness or something is, I don't, I don't know. know. I've gone pretty tall. I've gone one by six through there. It's fine. Well, and a lot of times you have multiples too. So if I'm doing that, I'll just throw two side by side so they can kind of support each other a little bit until one decides for whatever reason not to grip. And then one's going through and the other's sitting still. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. Because you know there's going to be a giant divot in it. Yeah. So that there are some things to watch out for. Uh, that's good stuff. Right on. Uh, this question comes from, this comes from Matt. Matt, you can, just, you can just text me, buddy. You don't have to, like, submit questions. I wasn't, see, I wasn't sure what the proper protocol was for asking you actual woodworking He's questions. He's so formal. That's so. true. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that it's not a stupid question like the usual stuff you send me. <laughs> um, 
Matt says, uh, Shannon keeps mentioning his dovetail plane and its purchase was a bit of a whim. I cut sliding dovetails by hand for the first time and they were horrible. I would consider a dovetail plane as very useful. How would you recommend cutting sliding dovetails efficiently without a dovetail plane? Um, the issue with a sliding dovetail plane is it only cuts one side of the joint. So, and it only cuts the male side of the joint, which I find to be a heck of a lot easier than the female part of the joint. So if the angle is set on the easier part of the joint, and now you have to perfectly match the angle on the harder part of the joint, it becomes a little, that's why I find the plane is actually not all that useful um, because it's locking me into a set angle. So how I would cut them, um, I have a of an eight quarter. Sorry, it's not eight quarter because it's surfaced. <laughs> it's on a one and some inch thick board um, that has a fifteen degree bevel cut on one side. It's about a eighteen inch long board with a fifteen degree bevel on one side. I will lay out essentially a dado. Um, I'll line that board up on the dado line, clamp it in place, and that acts as a saw guide. So what that's doing is leaning my saw over at that 15 degrees, and I'm sawing the the, the dado walls at 15 degrees off of off a of vertical, which gives me a sliding dovetail pin. And then I'll drop a, a cut right down the center. It's called a Morton cut that breaks up the stock and allows you to pop that stuff out because obviously you try to pop out dovetail stock and it's – there's a little pinch point at the top and it can get a little ugly real quick and break things off. Um, then I just, I chop that out. You can come through with a router plane to flatten that floor. So now you have your pin set and you can take that angle and bring it over to the tail and start cutting the tail. And you've got a lot more flexibility to kind of adjust the angle, pair a little bit away here or there, uh, cause you can get access to the tail. You can't really easily get access inside a sliding dovetail pin. So um, the sliding dovetail plane, I can, if the angle is the same, and it just so happens that my plane is a 15-degree angle now, um, so I can I can tell out that pin and then come over and quickly batch out the tail, but I still find myself doing a little bit of tweaking and adjusting because the angle may not be exactly right, um, and that's why, eh, you know, it's it's a time saver in some respects, but it, it's really not. <laughs> I mean, uh, the the same amount of time spent finessing it, even after I established it with the plane. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool looking though. Mm-hmm. True. It's that. very sexy. That matters. That counts for something. <laughs> sexy points. Yes, sexy points always <laughs> matter. I've re- I left that out of my wiping varnish shootout. I should have put that in. Sexy points. Yeah. I think water locks will get the sexy points. I think their cans are sexy. I'd rub mm. them down. Maybe the sexy smell. Wow. I'd know? slap them, flip them, rub them down a little bit. <laughs> slap them on the bottom, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, if you want to have some more of this nonsense stuff, we do an extra show. It's the email extra for $4 and higher patrons. Patreon.com slash woodtalk is where you can get that and all the past email extras. It's a lot of extra stuff that you can listen to. And today we're going to talk about block planes. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. And uh, real quick, Matt, a little bit of an update there. Show number 289 was your first, and we are indeed coming up on oh, 389. Wow. Next week. Wow. Well, it's been a year, you know, right? And we do 52 times two a year at this point, so the numbers are climbing pretty quickly. 
Well, what if we count these email extras? Because those are like legitimate shows. Yeah, we actually make an effort. It's true. We do we do three shows <laughs> a week now. That's a really good point. Yeah. I guess I, I only think about the public facing, the things that make our number go higher. But maybe we should we should start <laughs> counting that one. Yeah. Where's episode three eighty five? Only for vanity reasons. That's right. About it. it makes us feel better. That that would certainly drive the Patreon numbers up if we just started numbering that that extra one. So it's missing it's in- from the lineup? Yeah, people would get because I know I'm I'm the same way. If I ever discover a new podcast, I'm the kind of guy that like downloads them all and goes yeah. back to number one because I don't want to miss the inside jokes, you know? Right. And like there was a time there where like I don't know, I guess it was probably a couple of years ago where there were they were Apple was truncating the feeds. And it's like, if you had 300 episodes, it's like, oh, no, sorry. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. You only get episodes 150 to current because they, I guess, just decided nobody cared about the really old stuff. Mm-hmm. And that would drive me to distraction. So if somebody came to me and said, well, if you give them $2 a month, you get all of them. You get I'd access to the archive, baby. Yeah. So there you go, people. Yeesh. That's a legit show. It's not just Matt giggling. Although, according to a lot of people, is a legit show. Mm-hmm. I think so. In and of itself, that's all you need is the Harry Giggler. Right. That's it. All right. Well, if you want to support the Harry Giggler and these two other guys, uh, you can do so. <laughs> Set up a so it is essentially a recurring donation over at patreon.com slash woodtalk. You can pick up a Woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com. And also you can leave us a review in the iTunes store. And Shannon, why don't you give them that contact info and we'll get out of here. If you'd like to tell us how much sexy points weigh into your tool purchases and lumber purchases, you can do that by sending us a voicemail by using your voice memo app and then sending it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or just go to the website, woodtalkshow.com, find a comment form and tell us about sexy points. Mm-hmm. Oh, all the sexy points. How many sexy yeah. points does this show get? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Minus three. minus three out of 20 that's right okay well thanks for listening everyone and we will catch you next time you're very sexy people you get all the sexy points Mm -hmm. you get them all save some for me Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.